rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, okay. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, the podcast brought to you by Dakback alums that analyze whether the fake Zilmer is actually a Russian bot. But first, we discuss Drexel basketball. With me today, I have Marshall Fleming. Back in Philly so you won't confuse time zones. <laughs> and Nick and Chieri. Fly, Eagles, fly. Wow, oh, Bill, Bill. Did not expect that. Bill Martin. I'm rooting for Eagles, Bill. Ah, we're just going all homer today. And I am your host, Leon McCodden. Uh We're here after a four-game stretch that could only follow a six game losing stretch uh and uh, after our last podcast outing where we were pretty much down and out on uh the team and could not see any light at the end of the tunnel all of a sudden we had a three-game home win stand and a huge road victory against william and mary but let's uh start off with the first game of the batch at home against elon uh, a great uh a decent squad if not one of the better ones in the caa and we were able to walk off of that uh, with a victory. Nick, what do you think happened in that game to start the, start bringing this turnaround at Drexel Basketball? Well, I think we brought a lot of energy at the Elon game. Uh, right from the start, uh, our guys were playing definitely with a focus on defense, although I don't think we got the results right away in the Elon game from what I remember. Uh, you know, I, I was we were all came to the game. We were there, and you know, I think... Um, it did get animated in the second half. We could talk a little bit more about that, but um, you know, we didn't have the greatest expectations. I think at the time we were pretty down. I, I was trying to be optimistic as long as I could, but after losing the JMU and dropping six in a row, it was really hard to be. Um, but our players did not look down. I don't know how. You know, I think after recently, I heard there was a meeting before that Elon game, but. Uh, you could tell that we had our players to not give up on the season, and they came out with a lot of energy. And even though we were down at the half, I believe, um, you know, I thought I liked the way we were fighting, and we kept doing that in the second half. And um, some things happened. I think uh, obviously Tremaine had a huge game that game, um, but we had enough in us to kind of pull it through, and it jump started us. Yeah, I think you pretty much have to start with Isabel. I mean, he dropped forty. Which uh, hasn't been done since I think the what was it 1988 Michael Anderson. So I mean uh, that was I think he jump started us really. I mean you're right the team the team did play better defensively they rebounded better um, they definitely came out with more energy. But I mean if we don't get all forty from Tremaine Isabel we might not have even won that game. No and how much do you guys attribute uh, Tremaine shaving off his fro? to the four game win stretch at least the first victory I think before the game there was that like you said there was a meeting. There was an Instagram post, which I think some people shared on the Slack channel, uh, where it was hashtag no more fro. And I think Joe uh, Simonero from our own blogging uh, platform, we were Dragon's Cast, mentioned something about how this could be the one thing that maybe the one little like maybe superstitious thing or whatever it is to start changing uh, the whole mentality around of the team. So, uh, and he, Tremaine dropped 40 in this, which was just indicative of, I guess, how much this team started to get become more of a Tremaine's team as opposed to Kirk Lee's team. So, I mean, he was also more aerodynamic. <laughs> he was definitely more aerodynamic. He wasn't being held back because of his hair anymore. Yeah. Right? But I, what, I guess to me, you're right. There was, it did get animated this game, Nick. I remember Santa Ana had a couple of cheap shots 
after after the whistle was blown and we were, we were losing it, there was three back to back calls uh, that were horrendous. And it just looked like classic Drexel. Hey, these are the three calls now that are going to cost us the game. But somehow we were able to persevere. Um, Marshall, what, what, did you have any uh, particular player other than, of course, the 40 points that was out of Tremaine, which I think we can all agree was an incredible outing. What other player, if any, stood out for you? To be honest, I'm not good at the breaking down analysis of even at, right after a game remembering who played well, who didn't, other than a game like Tremaine had. Uh, Literally all I wrote down in my show notes uh, for that game was sloppy, lucky to win, which I think is fair. It's definitely fair. And Demir got in foul trouble this game. Austin, however, was able to play. I think leading up to this game, Austin was having a little bit of foul trouble, not being able to stay in the entire game. But starting with this game, he seems to have adjusted at least a little bit where he's able to play uh, entire game and not get fouled out. And he came up with, you know, we'll talk about some crucial blocks. <laughs> but even in this game, he had a couple of crucial blocks. And he's continuing to make his uh, case for the defensive player of the year in the CAA with the block numbers he's putting up. Albeit, it's not always on his man. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to be an interesting thing to see how that plays out. Uh, I forget who it was on the Slack channel that pointed it out. But oftentimes, he's not posting up his man and his whoever he's supposed to be guarding is able to score with their back to the basket. But then, yeah, his help defense is incredible. So we'll see if the CEA voters reward a player for putting up an insane block number like he is. I think last I saw he was 12th in the nation in blocks. Wow. Uh, but if they look at a number like that, or if they actually look at the play uh, of him against his big man, and again, I don't really know if that's if that holds true or not, whether his the players he's defending do score as easily as that person said, but that's... That seems to be what people were in agreement with. Well, his um, his blocking when he attempts the block, he's I think he's for whatever reason we're not he's not we're we're getting the rebounds when he doesn't block it. Like I think one of the problems before was he would go for the block, he would miss the block, and then they would clean up and get an easy bucket. More recently, um, he's either actually blocking a shot. I think he's limiting the times he goes up for it to ones that he knows he can swat out of there. And, you know, I'm not really sure why, but we're not getting killed on those putbacks, at least recently, that I think we were giving up earlier in the year. So, um, you know, the net result is we're, we're better on defense. You know, he was, he's getting his block numbers and we're getting rebounds, not giving up as many second chance opportunities. Yeah, I think, I think the offensive rebounding is one of the reasons or preventing them from getting offensive rebounding uh, is why uh, one of the reasons why we've turned it around last four games i mean that's one of the reasons i was so frustrated i think a lot of us were frustrated on that last podcast because like you see the team they once in a while come up with a defensive stand and even when they do the other team gets a rebound and gets an easy bucket and that was just happening like on repeat and having to watch that was pretty painful so uh, i'm glad to see they've eliminated that at least well not completely but for the most part it's not as detrimental as it was when we were losing all those games I mean, I got to give Spiker some credit. He made some adjustments, uh, clearly. I mean, he's trying, and that's what I got to, it's not the same thing. We're not insanity here, trying the same thing over and over. Uh, There's clearly an emphasis on switching on man-to-man defense that was made, and it's working out. Um, There's clearly, he's changed his time. I don't know if he's listening to this podcast, but now he's actually taking timeouts, (laughs) like we were saying. 
Like, use the timeouts. And he's using, he's stopping other teams' runs. He uses a timeout. We settle ourselves. We don't let a run get out of control. Like, William Mary went on a couple runs just yesterday. And we we fizzled him out with the usage of the timeout. Uh, And um, we, we, we hung tough. Uh, the same thing, you know, in, in this Elon game, one thing I, I mean, I remember it's the energy. I remember Santa Ana, as you said, Leon, um, was acting like a punk and, you know, he elbowed one of our guys down and didn't, you know, helped him up. Like that's supposed to negate the elbowing or whatever he did. Uh, and that got us fired up. It got Spiker fired up. It got the team going and the team was already going, but those things like create that spark and we needed something because we were so down. Uh, and maybe it was that it was those three terrible calls where I think, I can't believe Marshall didn't get booted from the game. <laughs> uh, I do remember those. Those were bad. But like that we were losing at, at that point. And then we started winning after that. And the, the, the intensity and the atmosphere, even though there wasn't that many people there, the atmosphere just picked up a notch and it helped everybody. I think. No, a- absolutely. And I think uh, somebody posted or posted that the, that we should make a GIF. Of the little little cutscene over there, where it's like five seconds of this game, where all the camera pans and we're all there and we're all just losing our minds. Oh yeah! So I got to make a gif of that so we have that uh, for use at any point. But you're right, we we lost our mind. I'm surprised Marshall didn't get kicked out. He did. I don't know. I think it was this game. He got a stern talking to or told not to curse. Was and that? I, I didn't curse. Yeah, it was the one cursing. So it was hilarious that Marshall got yelled at about yelled at about it. But one of the things I think, and we can even jump to the northeastern game now. Uh, that I started seeing, of course, the defense, like you guys mentioned, uh, Nikki, especially you, the switching was a lot better. Uh, we're not getting uh, somebody get an easy rebound when Austin gets off, steps off his man. That's been huge. Another thing I noticed that we've done a lot more in the last four games, uh, and I want to just make sure that we did this in the Northeastern game as well, is not only did we start getting, say, you know, getting more steals. Again, Northeastern game might not be as indicative as some of the other games, but we also started going, getting to the free throw line a lot more than we used to in the prior games. Uh, and again, it's uh, like getting to the free throw line always helps, but I'm just thinking back to the games before this. The other team would be at the free throw line a lot more than us. And some of that was because of defensive lapses and the cheap foul as a result of it. But us getting to the free throw line and sending players like Troy Harper uh, that are really good from the free throw line and Kirk Lee is clutch from the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, free throws still kill me. I guess 67% for a game is fine. Uh, yeah, we were right at 67%. Uh, shot better in the first half than we did in the second half that game. Um, I don't know. I, I still think they win and lose games uh, more than any other aspect. We comfortable had we gone better than 67%. Yeah. I mean, we sure. were 12 for 18. I'm, it's hard to complain like to about that excited. given where we were. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I... On the one hand, I'll take it, but on the other hand, I'd love to see us at like seventy-five percent. Well, technically, I think Isabel missed that last free throw on purpose, so you can throw that one out. Okay, that's, that's true. That's fair. Uh, but what I was also surprised watching this Northeastern game, and I think we kind of mentioned it in passing after the game, was how unimpressed we were with the team. Like this, that when we played Northeastern, if they were the number one team, uh, if not one of the top two teams in CAA, and I guess their big player is a Serbian kid, uh, Vasa Pusika. Maybe that, but even I was not impressed by any of the players. Now he's definitely good. He put up, you know, 
what you'd expect out of him, a best player on a team, put up 20 points against us. But uh, I didn't understand why this was the, one of the better teams in the CAA, but the rest of the players on that squad. What is his name? Vasa Pusika? Is that his name? That's how I'm going to say it. I don't know if that's how you actually say it. <laughs> it sounds like an uh, addition in Italy, like in Positano or something. <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> no, I didn't think they were very impressive at all. I would love to get them in the first, first round of the tournament. Like wow, we can, now we're getting cocky. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you know, we could talk, and you know, we're going to go each game by game, but we, we have vaulted ourselves back into a real uh, uh, outside chance at missing a playing game in these last four games. Uh, and, you know, the Northeastern could be our first-round opponent. I mean, that would be great. I, don't, I, I think they're – I agree. I don't think they're impressive at all. I, I think Hofstra's pretty good. I think William & Mary's really good. Obviously Charleston, but Northeastern. I don't understand how they won eight games in conference. I think they're just they're well coached. They play well together. They play good defense. They don't have any like superstars. I mean, Pusica, whatever the hell his name is, is pretty, is pretty decent, but they don't have any stars like they did um, like last year. But they, they they're solid. I mean, they 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 deed us up pretty well. I mean, our numbers don't actually show that too much, but. Um, but they're a good defensive team. I think that's what how they've been winning games. But you're right, John Gruden of Northeastern. I mean, they don't. They, I like they said. I mean, they they don't scare me as much as some of the other teams. I don't think they have like the firepower to blow up like a Hofstra or a Charleston or William and Mary. Now, in this game, Tremaine had another good outing. He went from he started off on pretty hot and then kind of calmed down a little bit as the game progressed. He still put up about twenty uh, on about twenty one points. Austin had a decent game. Sammy had a, had a classic good Sammy game, as opposed to the bad Sammy games where he just takes a lot of shots and misses. But Kirk was still missing. The Kirk that has shown up since uh, the Northeastern game uh, ha- was still missing. What do you? Is there any indication during this game uh, that you guys thought Kirk would come back the way he has in the last two games? No. <laughs> <laughs> Short answer. No. Short answer. Yeah. No. I mean, Kirk was struggling. You know, even in the Elon game, he didn't have a good game, but he didn't have any turnovers. And I thought his, and his defense was good. I remember talking to Bill about it in the car ride back. Um, yeah, Kirk, offensively, no indication he was going to come back. Uh, you know, we really got lucky to win this one, too. I mean, this is probably our luck. We were down, what, five points with the two minutes left or something? Uh, you know, we got... They didn't make. They couldn't make any free throws. I mean, we didn't do great, but they missed three front end one and ones mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, without that, I don't think um, you know we would have had a shot. But and we weren't hitting our free throws either. But we hit more than they did. Uh, so I, I think we were a little fortunate to win this one, but the effort was good. Uh, and, and to answer your question, Leon, no, I, I didn't. Kirk Lee was still struggling here, and there's no. And no indication. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. But one thing we should you brought up a good point about how lucky we were to get out of this game with a win, uh, especially considering the last call of the game. Right? It is. Uh, oh yeah. It. I. I've. I've. Uh, that. That could have gone either way. If that was a no call, it would not have surprised me. And Nick, I think you'd mentioned that you watched the replay and you think it should have been a no, and it was maybe even not even a foul. But I think uh, it was a foul. I don't. So Nick, why don't you make your argument for why it wasn't a foul? <laughs> well, I watched the really play, and I think Isabel, uh, and he even said this in the post game, which most people don't say this, but 
he said that he kind of acted a little bit. Um, I think he did a great acting job. <laughs> I don't, I, I think it looked like it was one of those that like a high school whistle, like it looked like a foul, but wasn't, but well, I'll take it. And, you know, you, you guys were there and you guys, you know, I, we got, there was a couple calls we got taken on earlier. I mean, these are the things that happen when you're the home team. So I'll, I'll take it. It was certainly, we've been on way more of the other end of the token. So I, I think we're, we're due, but I mean, if that, if that happened to us, we'd be pissed. No doubt about it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't, I, I want to give Marshall and Bill a chance to retort over here. Well, I mean, so let me let me put it this way. I don't think it should have been necessarily called, but I do think from the video that I saw, it looked like there was contact there, and then it's really a judgment call. Maybe that's maybe that contact is from me watching too much NBA versus college and knowing how they call the fouls on something like that in the NBA. Yep. Um, but I do think there was at least something there to warrant the foul call. Whether it should have been called, I, I kind of think it's a no call there. I mean, to to me, I watched the replay. I don't know how you could say he didn't make contact. I mean, they they were running towards the exact same spot. Isabel beat him there, and he simultaneously lofted up a shot, like pretended to loft up a shot at least, and he got hit. I mean, there was no con. You can't see the contact on the replay. There's no contact there was, on the replay. Dude, there's no way there wasn't contact. I don't know what There's plenty of watching. ways there was not contact. I don't know how you're watching the replay. And the ref had the angle from the other side that would have perfectly showed him. Why would he say on the post game that I mean, he blatantly said in the post game, like, yeah, I kinda I kinda acted that one. No, he definitely yeah. sold it. He definitely Yeah, sold you gotta it. sell it still. Yeah. He, said, he didn't say he didn't get hit. He said he might not have been foul, what he said. And he That's sold the same it. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're even saying we're thing. even saying it probably wasn't a wasn't a call, but you could clearly see that he hit him. If you watch the replay, he hits him. I don't know how a guy running full speed. Let ahead. me just ask you this, Bill. Yeah. Uh, if it happened to us, would you be pissed? Of course. I'm not I don't think that. that's I don't, I don't I don't think that's necessarily the answer to whether it's oh. a foul or not. Isn't that the test isn't would you be mad if this happens to get you? Of course you would. Yeah. That's a that's a but it, just to just to play devil's advocate here and help Nick out a little bit, this foul was called by the ref that was calling an awful game. Oh yeah, and especially he, against us. Against us, he I, I, like I think Nick, Bill, you were saying something about how you don't think he'd blown the whistle a single time in our favor until this. I mean, I I, I started monitoring his behavior <laughs> like <after laughs> the first half, and from that point on, he did not call a single foul call for us until that last call yeah so he was calling a bad game we can we can agree on that he was horrible how likely is it that he made another bad call as opposed to us actually you know getting the right call yeah (laughs) the fact that he called only one foul for us the entire time (laughs) makes me think that that was actually a blatant foul <laughs> All right, I'll I'll, gi- I'll give you that. But and not only, of course, we go to the line with what one second left or something. Yeah, and Tremaine misses a second on purpose, and they can't get the clock started. Oh my god! And just they just have the that could have easily been a technical. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know what the rule is. I don't know how that isn't a home team technical. Especially if, if somebody threw a streamer. We'd have yeah, been exactly. <laughs> if if a streamer interrupting play is a technical, how? your home arena staff blaring the whistle or blaring the horn with games still being played yeah. isn't. Even if it's a one-shot technical, I don't know how 
those rules are. Uh... Uh, no way should be a technical battle marshal. What, what, what purpose, purpose is that? It's a, it's a, it's like an employee who just fucked up. It's not. Yeah, you know, but, but the point that's is that's the basketball equivalent of FEMA announcing to Hawaii that a missile's incoming. <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous mistake. <laughs> yeah, I think that's you don't think there should be standard. some? There shouldn't be some form of uh, um, uh, penalty for that. If that had happened, technical free throws. Yeah, that's absurd. That I think that's happened before, right? Like one of the games of the uh, court storming. Yeah, court storm. Yeah, it's an interruption of play. No, they do those type of technical fouls to dissuade fans from doing stupid shit. So they don't need to dissuade the staff from doing stupid shit. It's it's an accident. The like, I guess it was a A streamer going onto the court with a second left is an accident. No, it's from from a staff member. Streamer into the floor too early. That's, That's not an accident. It's like people storming the court. It's it's a deterrent for fans because if they do it. They could potentially lose their team the game. Well, they got another. They basically got a, a chance at winning. Yeah, they did. That, they, they that, were, that yeah. wouldn't have had, right? Absolutely, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it was a little short. And uh, uh, the fact that he was still able to get a shot off with one second left was scared. It was a little scary. I mean, if he had made that, like, credit to him. Yeah, like absolutely. I don't, I didn't want our guys anywhere near him to potentially oh, no. even get a foul. And Troy was, uh, you know, playing as off of him as he could, but yeah. trying to, you know, I was hoping we'd just intercept it, and you know, yeah. he wouldn't get the ball, but that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, he got it off in time. He did. Right? He did get it off in time. Anyway, can we talk about the crowd yeah. really quick for that game? Sure. It was absolutely. homecoming. We have a twenty five hundred seat arena. Our attendance was fifteen hundred. Yay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are we happy about that, or are we no, not I, happy about that? I definitely want to say a few things about the crowd too. Um, at this game, or in general, are you in going general, in general? I was right. at that game, so I, I, that's really. <laughs> yeah, it would have been fifteen twenty seven if Nick. Well, we we had Let me tell you something cents. about the crowd at the game I was not at. <laughs> uh, okay, point touche. Um, yeah. I'm not Marshall. I'm not happy with that, and I'm not happy with the JMU crowd. Um, you know, after we won three in a row, I can understand it when we were one and seven. Mm-hmm. I can understand Elon, but now I, I'm starting to. Um, I, I want anyone listening that's at the university go to the game. <laughs> go to the game. If, if, if there's very few people I imagine are listening to this podcast. We only have 50 listeners. That's not going to make a difference. <laughs> I don't know. That's like a 2% increase on what we're getting. Yeah, but, but okay. So let me just take a step back. Before we start, uh, you know, the J, go to the JMU game, and it was disappointing, the crowd there. There was a lot of other things also in the game that was disappointing. But uh, let's take a second. The homecoming game. We had a decent crowd there because, you know, people come out for their friends that were getting, you know, yeah. And other bass, uh, other a lot sports. of our friends were there. Yeah, a lot of our friends were there. Other sports, uh, and we were being honored. Uh, there was homecoming, whatever, king and queen, all that crap. So there's plenty of people there just to support that. So there was a decent crowd. Mm-hmm. And in the first half, I remember, Marshall, we were still a little disappointed because even though we had a good crowd, they didn't seem to be so into the game because they mm-hmm. weren't there for the game. Yeah. That's a fact. They weren't there for the game. They were there for their friends. Mm-hmm. But, You're talking about students in particular? Absolutely. Yeah. Students were there for their friends. 
forgetting the alumni for a second. The alumni, you know, I, you know, they're going to show up for that one game usually. A lot of them, and they're not going to come back again. The there, students, there's two hoping, separate issues. There's two general. separate issues. Yeah. yeah. The student section, and uh, I think you, I think you tweeted something along the lines of, "Hey, you know, I wish more people were standing," or you know, I, I, I to be fair, I was a little more critical of it. I didn't at the DAC pack. Yeah. I uh, Dan Crane had tweeted something, and I think I responded saying, "Wish the not at DAC pack leadership was passing out shirts, telling people to stand." Yeah, and uh, and that was that was that. Uh, if you had told me that at thirty years old. I would be feuding with the student section I used to run. I would say that's probably about right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so basically after that, uh, uh, I had a little chat with the uh, current DAC pack leadership. They asked me not to call them out on Twitter, so I won't uh, anymore. No, but But I think I I don't know if that's the right takeaway from that, because what you said and that little, little bit of confrontation ended up creating something that in the second half you know, to created action. Yeah. There, there was uh, more of the DAC pack. Maybe, maybe, maybe they were completely mutually exclusive events, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the little fact that we were getting on them a little bit and they were getting upset about it, which, you know, is all part of whatever it takes. I dealt with it when I was yeah, running the DAC whatever pack. it takes. Uh, uh, it, you know, when... Whatever it takes for students to go out there and force people to wear a yellow shirt mm-hmm. and stand up during the game. Yeah. I never sat during a single... Drexel yeah. basketball game. Yep. When I was a student. Mm-hmm. And, and that was without the history that we've had of that was be- yeah. decent success. Exactly. That, I, I, did not, I wasn't in school for the 07 season, and I wasn't in school for the 2012 season. So mm-hmm. I wasn't even there for the great years. Mm-hmm. And we were still standing mm-hmm. like a bunch of lunatics. So, and that was part of the fun. Now, part of the fun was to just be into the game the entire time where you, like, the refs don't even understand why this high school gym has fans that are so animated. That was part of the whole uh, ex- the excitement of going to the games. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the whole point I'm trying to make is that that little bit of confrontation is not necessarily a bad thing. And I don't think you should necessarily just be like, hey, I'm never going to call them out again. Because I think that helped them or maybe even motivated them a little bit to do more of it in the second half, which was very important for some of those missed free throws. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. I, what I don't want, I won't routinely call them out on Twitter anymore. Uh, although I guess I did like the day after when there was no uh, no one there for the women's game. Yep, and yep. that's a whole other issue. Guys, if you're listening to this, in general, students, alums, show up for women's games. They're 10-0 and 0 at home. I think 11-1 and 1 in conference now. I forget what it is, but they just beat Charleston by blowing them out. So for women's games, everyone should show up for them because they're fucking killing it. But back to the men, with that game, I won't call them out in particular because um, they showed in that game that they know what to do now. They to their credit, at the end of that game, got them, uh, got the other students standing, got them rowdy. And yeah, I think it absolutely helped uh, with uh, getting Northeastern to miss some of those free throws at yeah. the end and us securing the win. So they know what they need to do. I'm not going to keep hounding that to them. It's up to them if they're going to actually follow through on it, uh, which based on the JMU game following, they did not. Yeah. And I don't know if Nick or Bill, you guys have anything to add uh, for the Northeastern game. Otherwise, I, yeah, the JMU game, uh, was it exact? What we took away after leaving and going to get a couple of drinks that night after the Northeastern game for homecoming mm-hmm. was like JMU game is going to be telling, right? We had a lot of people come up. We got a win, a close win, an Those exciting are the best win. kind of wins. Yeah, yeah, an exciting win. And uh, and if anything makes people come back to a sport, it's like that endorphins that kick in after you get a big win. Mm-hmm. 
and we were hoping for JMU there'd be a, a much bigger turnout. And I think the turnout was bigger than the games leading up prior to the uh, when we were having the losing streak and everything. There were barely anybody. There was mm-hmm. there were games where there was maybe like six people and they were all Dak packed there. Mm-hmm. There was definitely more people at the JMU game, but we were all hoping for more, mm-hmm. right? So, and the ones who there again were back to sitting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what to what to say there. Yeah. Nick, Bill, do you guys have anything to add for the, before we actually talk about the game itself? Yeah, our our attendance. I don't know what can be done. Like Marshall, you said we're all thirty year old men here with jobs. Yeah, uh, you're a little <laughs> older, <laughs> and, and I'm unemployed. <laughs> yeah, and we're driving, you know, an hour and forty five minutes from New York. We we've done our time. You know, we start the defense chance too, which I think I don't a couple times, which is kind of crazy to me that I'm starting defense chant at 35. But uh, that's how into it. I mean, we're into it. We wanted to win. You know, we want to affect the game. I I don't know. I mean, I I see this is just a pet peeve of mine. But I walk into by the rec gym and there's guy people. I'm assuming Drexel students playing pickup basketball. Before, during a men's basketball game, a Division One team that's on a four-game winning streak, you're going to play pickup basketball during the game. You know, go to the game. I don't. I just don't understand. This is a good team. It's a team that's on uh, on the uphill. We, we got some momentum. Go to the game. I, it's fun. I, it's a, it's awesome. It's a, we had so much fun the last three games. I have a slightly different take on that than you, than you, Nick. I don't think that we necessarily need to get on individuals across the university. Uh, if someone wants to play pickup basketball uh, instead of going to a D1 game, that's on them. I do, to your point, think that there are some of those people who would probably enjoy going to the D1 game. But if they're just not ever going to be a fan of Drexel basketball, that's fine. I'm not going to hold that to them. My whole point is we have, what, 11,000, 12,000 undergrads at this university? We should be able to get four or five hundred at minimum for a game. We've done it in the past. Students haven't changed all that much, even if the sport is now more linear than it's been. But the uh, the entire university is big enough that we should be able to get people to those games and standing and cheering. This isn't a new problem, though. I mean, you're right. The team, unless the team is really good, like the casual fan. Even the casual person walking around Drexel doesn't know that we just won four games. They just exactly not, that, no one's paying attention. It's like yeah, but how did, how did we? The problem. You're right. This isn't a, a problem that's new, but the solution isn't new either. Yeah. No, I think. I mean, they got. They have. They could do more, but I, until the team is really good and really good, they're not going. That those stands are not going to be packed. I, I disagree. There were times, granted, it wasn't as long of a down period as we've had these last couple of years, and Bruiser was always entertaining and did a lot to get students out. But Zach Spiker seems to be saying the right things to get students out, too. But this falls to me solely on the people who want to run the student section. They need to not just be at the games and stand amongst themselves and cheer. They need to be social. They need to be around campus on the day of the day before games passing out tickets. I'm not saying everyone needs to do this, but when I was doing it, I was skipping class to pass out 500 tickets at lunch and we had 20 other people doing it. And now more than ever, when the team's not good, you need more of that to get the same return. So I, I disagree that 
success is the only thing that will get well, I'm gonna good student couple, crowds. I want to add a couple more to that. And I agree that it's not only success, but we're putting this all in the backs of the students or the backpack, I guess. And like, and maybe they're, they're different people than we were. And, you know, what about just the administration in general promoting? This is a moneymaker for them, theoretically. Obviously, we owned it and we wanted more people to be there. Where's the uh, promotion of the program? Maybe it is there, and people just are, um, you know, just not responding. But are, are we promoting this throughout campus? Is the administrative people that are getting paid to work for Drexel basketball telling people to go to the games? I, is that happening? It, it I don't think it's happening more or less than it did five, six, seven, eight that, years though? ago. I don't know if we know. And and I I bring up the rec kids playing basketball just as an example i'm not saying we call those individually people out but there are people that don't like sports they're into other things at least we know those people those guys playing basketball like basketball they're playing yeah. basketball you're right yeah so i mean at minimum go in there and be like hey there's a game going on you guys can all come in for free come into the game mm-hmm. no like uh, basketball come into the game watch this basketball this is division one yeah no it's it's gonna be a good strategy. I'm not against the idea. I don't think the selling point for Drexel basketball, especially when we're not good, is come watch D1 mid major basketball. I think the selling point for getting students into that student section in Rowdy is come hang out, be friends with us. As corny as that kind of sounds, that's what got me into it first yeah, of all. Creating a social, I, you yeah, know, group exactly. of sorts. Yeah. Absolutely. Rob Falcone came up to me, he was a couple years older. Gave me a ticket. Hey, come to the games. Like, and then I started hanging out with them and I wanted to, like, I wasn't in classes with these guys. Like we would hang out at basketball games and then we started to become friends outside of that. And we're still friends to this day. People that I don't talk to anymore. I was friends with at the time as freshmen didn't have anything else to do. We certainly weren't 21. So we weren't going out to the bars, uh, the way we did as upperclassmen, but it was something to do with friends, regardless of whether the team was good or not. No, I, well, I agree, Marshall. I mean, I, I think there is a bigger selling point than, than just the games, and I would like to see that built into the culture of being a Drexel, but I, I don't think it, it hasn't fully permeated the entire, like, universe in, in bunches. But, I mean, it should be something that, like, you know, we're all still here hanging out, talking to each other, and we see our friends in Charleston every year all because of this basketball team. Like, this is just something that, it could be built on and i don't know how you sell all that to students I, I think you almost have to make it more of an like an event a game day event where you're like something is actually happening yeah then do, um, then do that before we, or after. we had body painting games we had yeah, all types no. of different <laughs> contests but I, I again here's how you sell it find a student on campus put a ticket in their hand be like hey come out to the game like i'll see you there like i'll get you a shirt uh yeah. things like that that's literally all it takes the fact that I'm eight years out of college now, and I know how to talk to a college student more than current college students. That's because you hit on college girls, though. This this is true. I actually, (laughs) I was talking to a 22-year-old girl in L.A. the other day, and I did not realize that she was 22 when I started talking to her. Anyway, um, the... the, uh, Hiya! No, it's... I don't know. It's just not that complicated, and I know... Like, I was talking with Zomer after the game, and he said, oh, like, we need you to do it. 
No, you don't. You need the people who are currently... He probably thought you were a student. That's though. true. He, probably, he may have thought I was a student. <laughs> Actually, the fun thing was, I, one of the things I was thinking about for this podcast was doing like a one-act play of your interaction with Zilmer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and bringing up specifically his contention with linear oh sport that is basketball. What kind of Black Mirror bullshit is that? I know. That? We'll work on this. It'll be, a, it'll be something we set for a future episode <laughs> where we can work on something and make... Uh, I, again, it, it, we, I think we've had enough off, offline discussions about how we didn't, the linear basketball comment makes no sense. And if you're AD saying that about basketball, it's no surprise to you that uh, the program is, yeah. uh, from a fan base at least, suffering. Marshall, you and I, from, a, from a, going to Drexel standpoint, are six years apart. Mm-hmm. We would never have overlapped. No. The only reason this podcast exists with us four and even like we have this friendship that we've had for as many years as we've had now is because of the DAC pack. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, again, it's hard to distill that into, it's almost like we have our own, uh, you know, what people have with Greek life or we, what people have in other clubs and programs. We have that with the DAC pack. If somebody came, I applied for a job at the company I work for and they put DAC pack on there, it means something to me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it would make a difference to me, and I think it should make a difference to anybody that was involved with the DAC pack. And I think it does because of how close knit and tight a group that was, and that's the potential that I don't think necessarily that people understand. Maybe they understand it at a very cursory peripheral level, but we're not taking advantage of it, mm-hmm. and I don't understand why that is. And it's a good point, Leon. I don't know. I, we could keep talking about this, or yeah. we could keep moving to the JMU game, which we almost lost. I think we can move on to the JMU <laughs> game and talk about alumni attendance another time. That's a whole other issue. JMU? J- <laughs> <laughs> JMU. All right. So JMU was the game that we were all having fa- Not only that fans would turn out, but that this should be, hey, this if, if we, we had two close wins against very good teams at home, we should stop this team. You know, we really need to make a statement by beating JMU, probably, not probably, the shittiest team in the CAA this year. We should actually make a statement. And it looked like we were headed to making that statement in the first half when we scored 30 and they scored 22. It was reminiscent of a bruiser team outing. But in the second half, we gave up 52 points to the James Madison team, which really isn't that good. They got that Mosley kid, Stucky Mosley, who's good. Uh, and, uh, and Lewis is good. Yeah. Too. Lewis was good too, but that, neither of them are like, to me, that's, you should, you have two decent players. You should be able to shut a team down to a certain extent, but we made this a game barely squeaking out of there. The two point win in the end. What do you think happened to change the momentum that we had going to make this such a close game after the first half? I'm not, I'm not even sure how to answer that question. This was, this to me just had all the makings of like your classic letdown game. Like we came in, we just won two games that we uh, we weren't expected to win. We come in playing the team we're supposed to beat, and suddenly it becomes a game. Um, the one thing I did I will say about JMU, they don't have a ton of like offensive firepower like some other teams, but they played good defense and they came in with a, a solid scouting report on Tremaine Isabel especially. Like yep, their main goal was to not let him drive and make plays in the lane and no other team has been able to do that really all season to the level that they did um and that paired with them just they just went off in the second half i I actually i mean our defense i didn't think was as bad as giving up 52 points shows it wasn't great 
but they were hitting some difficult shots. Like Stucky Mosley hit a, a good couple deep threes. Um, I mean, the Lewis kid was killing us getting to the hoop and doing some. He other was things. just taking it to the hoop every time he wanted yeah, to. I mean, that Lewis. wasn't that wasn't good good defense there, but um, yeah, no, I agree with Bill. Like I, I mean, James Madison may be at the bottom of the league, but they're not. We've seen worse teams the bottom of the league. They have three wins. Like I agree with what everything Bill said. I think they came out with the scouting report on Isabel. He had four turnovers in that game. Uh, he only had eight points. Uh, that spin move that they they were ready for his spin move, uh, and and um, we got we picked it up in other ways. Harper got to the line a ton, uh, and then Kirk Lee. We saw the reemergence of Kirk Lee. I feel like in the second half of the second half. I don't think he had any points in the first half. He ended up with 14, most of them in, and I, I don't even think he came out of the gate in the second half doing much. Um, you know, we played great defense, especially in the first half. We limited him to 22 points. They don't have a lot of offensive weapons, as you guys mentioned. Um, but I, I know we all would have liked to have beaten them by more. Um, you know, we were off offensively for majority of the game, um, but we still got the win. So, you know, I, I think there's some credit to be given there. Um, you know, they did hit some tough shots. So, you know, we got the win. We pretty much led wire to wire. I think they, they tied it up, which is a little scary. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not – this was just a, a W. It could have been worse, but um, I'm not, like, upset that we only won by two. Um, James Madison just beat Townsend uh, the other day. So they're – De- it's a weird year in the CAA. It really is. You know, any given team can lose to anybody on any night. So, I, I just want to mention, Milwaukee had a really good game that uh, that game. He kind of was like the offensive uh, go-to for most of the game until Kirk Lee started stepping it up and Troy Harper was hitting free throws. But Mojica was really the only one who played that entire game well offensively, I think. Yeah, and this is also another game where we started, you know, we got to the line a lot more. Than James Madison. Troy Harper went 10 for 12 from the line. It was just a very different Drexel team that I, that I was used to watching before we started this uh, four-game stretch that we were talking about. All, all three of these wins, we've been limiting the offensive rebounds. We've been either winning the rebounding battle or, or right there. And um, it's, it's paid huge dividends, along with the you know improved switching on defense. It's just made a huge difference. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't watch the next game, the William and Mary game. I did not watch, so I can't t- speak too much to it. But I did want to mention one thing before we jump to that game. At what point in this four-game stretch did you guys start thinking, or do you believing <laughs> that we could actually beat William and Mary? Or did you guys have going into the game? Because I'll be honest with you. I had I did not think we were going to beat William and Mary on on the road. We, our road record, like I think we've had some discussions on the Slack channel, has been atrocious. Uh, that being said, I did have a dream that we beat William and Mary, oh. which is sad because that's what my dreams have come down to. <laughs> but and I didn't get unfortunately I didn't get to watch the game and we beat him. But did you did at any point of the last three games, Elon Northeastern and James Madison, did you guys think we'd actually the programs made the adjustment? The peak players have started to gel together. With about 15 seconds left in the William and Mary game, I believe. Okay, okay. I didn't watch the game. I should have watched it. <laughs> well, I was listening because they had that bizarre non-CAA <laughs> TV. Well, oh, quick request for any athletic staff that are listening. If 
the game isn't going to be on CAA TV, please make the watch video or whatever the link says yeah. on the schedule link to whatever source is the uh, is where the game's being played. Because I got off the plane, went to the schedule, clicked on watch video or watch game, whatever it says, and it still took me to CAA TV where there was no link. So I got very confused and I didn't hear anything beforehand saying oh, that it was going to be... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, the Slack channel was the only reason I found yeah. out that it was visible anywhere. But anyway, um, from what I heard of the game, and I only really heard the last 12 minutes or so, Okay, it sounded like we were going to be in a rock fight, like probably come down to the end. And I think I even said on Slack channel, like we're going to lose this game on free throws. Uh, And then we just kept building a lead. Like William and Mary would come back and then we would answer. And then our lead grew and grew a little bit more until it ends in a 91-79 win. Um, But I still wasn't 100% confident that we would hold on and, and win the way we did until, yeah, like the very end of that game. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> well, William and Mary, I mean, to answer your question, Leon, I at during the James Madison game, after we won that, I thought we had a chance to win, but I didn't want to say anything Yeah, because I didn't want to jinx it. I actually <laughs> crafted a message to the Slack channel about if we beat William and Mary, I'll literally have gone 0 for 8 in my last eight predictions, <laughs> but I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to jinx it. Okay. So I, I did think it. Um, that I really, I mean, hey, we're fans. We we have to, you've got to hope, believe, right? I mean, um, it didn't look good in the first half, I will say, um, because their offense is ridiculous. They have five guys that can swap threes at any moment. Their point guard is really good at not turning the ball over, at managing the offense. He doesn't look like much, but he's a really, really good player. Um, if you leave, they, if they have Knight in there working down low and he's doing his thing like they can get anybody open i didn't think our defense was that bad you know there was a couple lapses but they were just hitting everything and they were just working the ball around and and finding the open guy but our offense in the first half was also very good uh we were hitting threes uh mojica is is like settling into this role that i think is perfect for him and perfect for our team uh where he kind of limits his opportunities to um, kind of swing passes in the corner, corner threes, and and he's doing a great job and just being consistent. And you know, you know, he really helped. Well, everybody had a great game, but our offense kind of kept. We had other than the turnovers in the first half, um, we kind of just stayed close. And that's what you got to do on the road to beat a really good team. We we almost went. We were down almost ten at one point. I think eleven, and we cut it to five at halftime. And that was so critical. Um, and then the second half, you know, you guys were listening to it, but we just kind of picked up where we left off. And eventually we, Knight got into foul trouble. When Knight went out with four fouls, that's when we kind of were able to really stop them. Uh, and they weren't getting as many open looks. And once we stopped them, we kept going on our offensive side and just hit some great, some huge shots. Like, the second half was probably we didn't turn the ball over much. Kirk Lee was was unbelievable. Uh, it was definitely it was the best game I saw this year. Uh, most consistent from every player. Um, we got a, it was a true team win. I think we had twenty assists. Uh, it, it was a really great game to watch. I was super pumped about it. Yeah, I was gonna build on uh, Nick's Mohica point a little bit. I, not only is he still in that role, but I think Spiker's drawing up plays specifically to get him just in that corner. There was one inbound, I remember, where they, 
I'm not sure who set the screen. It was either Austin Williams or Tyshawn Miles. And they sent Sammy off a couple screens. And then they screened the man who would have helped out out in the corner, too, and got him a wide-open look, and he drained it. And he's a, he looks like he's much better from there than anywhere else on the floor and hits it more consistently. So uh, even though Nick mentioned to me before is that the William & Mary announcers were talking about that specifically, that he was better from the corner. Well, he's the Aaron McKee of Drexel. <laughs> yeah. You guys yeah, missed but... the best road announcers of the year. The William & Mary announcers were by far the best. They I mean, knew, I... like, very intricate details about Drexel, which I – was very surprised that really? they, knew, they knew that. Did they give Rob Falcone shout-outs? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know they've really arrived. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I agree with Nick, too. This was probably the best game we played all, all season, um, especially the second half. Uh, th- I mean, this is what happens when Kirkley and, and Isabel play well together, too. I mean, everyone else played well, but, I mean, the offense they were generating and the passing and they were creating, and the, the ball movement was amazing. I just remember... There was a couple of late plays, and especially there was an Alihan uh, three late that really, uh, really gave us. A, I think it was put us in the lead. Um, there was a huge bucket, and the ball movement was just great. Yeah. Like, there was just an extra pass made, left completely wide open. Um, there was multiple plays where um, Tremaine drove into the lane and had like a beautiful dish to um, Alihan or one of the other bigs like underneath. It was just it was it was something impressive to see. I just came away I, I mean i think i sent a text to you guys basically saying that we were how good a basketball we're playing and I, i'm really impressed at this turnaround uh i don't think i've seen a drexel team go from being so frustrating to watch to com- com- a complete a complete turnaround to the point where now i'm excited for every game and uh and looking forward to the next one yeah, it's a really good point. Like, there's years where we're kind of middle of the road and we're consistent. I thought we were heading to one of those years early in the season, and then it just turned bad. And we've all seen the game, the seasons where it's just turned bad. And then I think we all, I've never seen something quite like this where it turns bad and then on a dime we just turn the other direction, capping it with a win, which I against I think probably the second best, if not the top team in the conference. We had to play this good to beat them, uh, and when, and we did, and and uh, we it's been a complete. It's a weird season, you know. It, it, we went from so bad to to like we're playing with the top of the, com- of the of the conference, you know. Who you hope we can keep it up going forward. I know we have a tough stretch, but um, and one other thing I want to point out, Isabel I think was running a lot more point than Kirk Lee was this game. Uh, I think Kirk Lee's. I mean, he brings it up sometimes. But I think Isabel was kind of. I think we're better with Isabel running point at this point, and Kirk Lee playing the two. You know, I, I I don't know why. I just think that's where we're settling in. And that this was the first game both of them went off, and we were really good because of it. Yeah, and I I think we've all been wait. I guess I'm just looking at the box screen. I'm going to try to find a replay, but uh, I think we were all waiting for this game. In the sense that not the game against William Mary, but the game where Tremaine Isabel, Kirk Lee, and the rest of the team would all play the level of their talent that their talent dictated, and it seems like this was the game they all decided to show up in. And of course, I decided to miss. But the how much of this the four game win stretch this particular game do you guys think is going to be real? As in carrying over 
to like you mentioned, the four-game stretch that we have coming up, one at home, three away. Uh, how much of this is going to be real and something that you can capitalize on going forward? And how much of it is just, uh, you know, sometimes you get a little momentum, you get a little kick in the ass, and you get it, you get a streak going, and then uh, once you hit that first stumbling block, you're back down to the bottom of the well. I mean, not not to be the John Gruden of Drexler. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. You already are. Uh, you got to be yourself. It's fine. Uh, I think I think it's real. I mean, from what we've seen prior to this, it was really just it wasn't a talent level. It was the little things that were just killing us, like playing just basic defense. We don't have to play Bruiser Flint defense. We just have to play like a normal level of defense where you're just not getting crushed with easy buckets and giving up offensive rebounds. And there has been a drastic turn the last four games. Like, even if we came away that William Mary game with a loss, I would at least been, like, pleased with how we've been playing because we're not doing that anymore. And it's been pretty consistent for the last four games um, where we all won that we're just not getting hammered on the offensive rebounds and our guards aren't just turnstiles out there. Um, and even when they give, even when they do have their man get by them, the rotation is better. And those are things that um, just are seem to be, it's just better coached. So I, I think Spiker has made the adjustments. I'm hoping we don't see a backtrack on it. Um, I mean, I guess I'm assuming we'll probably have a stumble here or there. But I think what they're doing now is sustainable. Of course he thinks that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I hope. I, I think um, the answer to your question lies in the players and the coaches. I think they can sustain it. I think that the margin for error in this conference, I think all the teams, especially this year more than others, is so close together uh, that you really have to bring your focus, your energy, and do your homework prior to every single game. You cannot take anything off. I mean, there's you never want to say that, but you know, UNCW last year is so much better than everybody else. Like they could kind of slack a little bit and still win. No, we can lose to anybody. We can beat anybody. And every single minute of the 40 minutes in every game is going to require focus, energy, uh, and strategy. And it's up to, uh, we can do it, whether we will or not. I don't know. I hope we, I hope we do, obviously. But if I had to pick, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to agree with John Gruden. <laughs> Uh, not to be the negative Nancy of the group. Uh, Nancy's my mom. She's not negative, but, uh, the, if our defense holds it together, then yeah, we can keep it going. I don't know if our defense will hold it together the next time we play, uh, college of Charleston and Northeastern. Uh, I again, don't know too much about the ins and outs of watching a game to know what is the type of thing that, okay, this team has turned a corner versus they played well together for what just happens to be four individual games in a row or I, uh, yeah uh so i'm gonna say like we're gonna probably go around 500 the rest of the way i guess that's good compared to where we were trending before this last four game stretch but i don't see us turning the corner and being able to compete with the better teams in conference uh, regularly, despite having wins against them in these last five, I hope or four. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but yeah, I'm I'm going to recuse myself from the question I asked and write a memo about it. 
<laughs> just uh but honestly i think i gotta watch the william and mary game because watching the elon northeast and james madison game i thought yeah we you know we we had a couple of good home wins and that was awesome mm-hmm. uh, i don't think i saw anything from a overall standpoint that made me think that we made the next big step as far as the program changing and mm-hmm. getting it being able to win consistently but i gotta watch this william and mary game i gotta watch the replay i guess somehow to see if I agree with you said fifteen seconds you believed yeah. I get left in that game so I got to take a look at that game to see if uh, that that'll change my change my mind. Well, I said I believed at fifteen seconds that we would win the game, but not oh, that not I believed the, in not the Not that you do you believed, right? Okay, right. okay, yeah. all right. So <laughs> anyway, so I guess the next the next four game stretch, which uh, I think we can jump to, is going to be very telling because other than one home game against the middle-of-the-pack team at this point, Townsend, which we thought going into this CA season was going to be one of the better teams that they're out of conference wins. Uh, we have three away games against pretty pretty decent teams. College of Charleston, which is back at the top now. Uh, Northeastern, not too far away from it. And Hofstra, which we lost to at home. So, prediction time, I guess. Uh, Bill? I'll go two and two. Two and two. Okay. I'm curious, what's the second win? I don't know. Okay. All right. You just feel confident. You just feel good. You just feel good. I understand. We'll get one of those games on the road. Okay. Um, Probably either Northeastern or Hofstra. Okay. All right. I could go with that. Marshall? I don't know. I hate predicting just because there's so many fluky things. With the games that we won in this four-game stretch, like, William and Mary was the only solid one hey, that was a victory. The other a, three could have easily gone the other way just from a, absolutely. a bounce of the basketball. We're not a good enough team where predictions are actually based on, yeah. like, you know, you can actually... Marshall, Marshall. Nick was 0 for 8 in his <laughs> last 8. <laughs> you can only go up from there. Uh, I'm going to say 1 and 3. 1 and 3. And is the, ho- is the win the home game? I honestly don't know. Oh, okay. Not even picking what game you think is. I just be think like win. we've okay. got talent. Like the talent will bring us through in one of those games. All right. Uh, again, not from us necessarily playing great team basketball. No, actually, probably from us putting all of that talent together and playing sure. great team basketball for one game, and maybe we catch one of these teams on an off night. Um, but I do just think that these other four teams are better than us. Um, I'll go next because I always end up going last anyway. Uh, I think we're gonna go. One and three uh, as well. And uh, I I think we're going to lose to Townsend this Thursday, unfortunately. And we're going to end uh, beat Hofstra on the road. Wow. Before before Nick makes his predictions, could we, for the sake of a team, for, of the team, could we get an 0 and 4 prediction? I, <laughs> I don't think you can, I don't think it works once you say that, Bill. Yeah. He has, no, it no, has no. to come naturally. You just jinxed yeah. the jinx. Yeah. You just double jinxed. Oh, well. I'm like the Costanza of predicting here. <laughs> Everything, I, 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 the opposite is true. I think Bill just screwed it up because I was going to go 0 and 4. <laughs> still go, uh, go 0 and 4 if you still want to. If you truly believe. Yes. If I truly believe. Yeah. I truly believe that we will go 2 and 2. So you DU not believe. <laughs> I think 2 and 2 in this stretch is, a, is, is, is not. I think if we go 2 and 2 here, that's a win. Yeah. And we we sweep up Delaware and UNCW, yeah, and those we which we haven't done two on the way out. Um, you know, I think that would be 
I would absolutely take that. Games. I think that would be a win. I would take we that. We got two out of these four. That's that's a win in my book. Yeah. Agreed. Any other topics you guys wanted to cover today? Uh, I'm just going to give another shout out to the women. Uh, yes. They just blew the doors off the arena against College of Charleston today. Uh, 80 to 53. That game wrapped up while we were recording. Uh, they've won. What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Literally, their win streak doesn't even fit on the entire page I'm looking at. Uh, they've won eight in a row. They're only lost in conferences on the road to a really good JMU team. So I'm going to implore listeners again, show up for this women's team. They are undefeated at home, 18-5 and five overall. Their only losses this year are to good teams. Um, so they absolutely deserve the, uh, the attendance that at least what the guys are getting. And the guys aren't even getting good attendance, but they should at least be getting uh, those... Uh, those numbers and and students should be showing up as well. Games are free. They're hosting the tournament at the DAC this year. Give them some momentum of home crowds going into that tournament. And then for sure, make sure you can make it out to the DAC uh, right after the men's tournament. Uh, It starts. uh, Well, we're going to for sure have a first round by. So it starts for the girls on Thursday, March 8th. So find time to clear your schedule and make it out to those because they're putting together something special and they're doing it without really having any one star. Wow. on the team it's not like they have um uh like a gabby marginian like they did years ago or even holly and taylor they did um more recently they they're doing it really with team basketball which is good to see and they're blowing teams out like today wasn't the only blowout they've had uh most of their wins in this latest streak are by more than uh so yeah show up for them yeah it's a short season left i think uh, it's I, w- I would implore not just the listeners but also the people on this podcast. <laughs> well i'm looking at jmu at home that sounds like it'll be an entertaining game right yeah first place versus second place yeah 223 let's yeah. do it let's do it let's show up rowdy what what day of the week is that friday friday night oh okay <laughs> <laughs> there's also a thursday game against delaware at home the men's game yeah stay overnight and the saturday game so you could get like a thursday friday saturday stretch going there you go Will Nicole let you be away from the house that long? <laughs> no, no. It's it's whether Nick can do it. It's whether Nick can do it. <laughs> I don't think you understand this. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Oh, man. I was going... <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. But to just echo what Marshall said, let's get more people out of the women's game. Alumni, students, I think uh, they deserve it. And the tournament's in... I'm definitely going to the tournament. Yeah. Definitely going. So... Uh, yeah, I'm down for the tournament as well. Awesome. Nick? <laughs> no pressure uh down down <laughs> all right i think that's all i had today did you guys have anything else or we could go birds by the time you're listening to this i yeah. might be in jail or at the top of it's, a greased light very pole. valid point i didn't yeah i did you see my shirt <laughs> nice grease uh leon is wearing a grease those poles green t-shirt so the titan stand is even on board with with the eagles you get that uh it's this uh small shop on third street that is like philly independence they have just like independent designers that post their stuff so i christina found it for me and i was like i have if i'm gonna get an eagles shirt i'm not i'm a wife wagon eagles fan over here so if i had to get one grease those it works in multiple ways